Hello and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Wednesday night's game versus the Kings. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I am your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get a chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. Segments will include my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, things to keep an eye on moving forward, and more. Before we get started with this one, I want to encourage you to go listen to episode 83 of the podcast that I recorded with Jared Greenberg of NBA on TNT and NBA TV. That was one of our weekly Tuesday drop episodes where we get into all the news and storylines surrounding the team in NBA. For that episode, we got Jared's thoughts on the possible Jeremy Grant trade, possible 2022 free agents, Dwayne Casey, Troy Weaver, and the state of the restoration. I also just dropped my newest breakdown for Detroit Bad Boys, where I dove into Trey Lyles as a small ball five. But guys, let's get into this one. We are recording this very late on Wednesday night. Might even be Thursday morning for producer Wes Davenport. And it's after a Pistons 133-131 to win over the Sacramento Kings. And this was an exciting one. If you watched it, come behind. At the very end, it was ugly at times. There was a lot of free throws. We'll talk about all that. But let's start with the pregame notes. Coming up... And not even as close as the score was lost to the Warriors on Tuesday night. So this was the second night of a back-to-back. Rodney McGruder was actually the high scorer in that game. And we'll talk plenty about Rodney McGruder in this episode. Isaiah Stewart had a very productive game against the Warriors. Killian Hayes, of course, didn't play in the second half. And he was out on Wednesday night with that right hip contusion. We will also touch on that just a little bit. Jeremy Grant, Luca Garza both out. Uh, looked like they entered health and safety protocols. Frank Jackson, it looks like, was in reconditioning phase of his return to play. Kelly Olenek did return tonight. He'll be a big storyline. Tyrese Halliburton in health and safety protocol for the Kings. Pistons go with Kojo, Cade, Hami, Bay, and Stu. The Kings go with Fox, Davis, who had a big night. Harrison Barnes, Bagley, and Rashawn Holmes. First quarter, Isaiah Stewart, again, extremely active early in this game. Has a nice post move. Something I might like to see the Pistons do a little bit more with him. Hami Diallo, you guys know I love him. He got about three wide open looks from three early in this game where the Pistons ran good offense and it kind of ended up in his hands at the end and he just had to turn down those shots. It's probably the right decision for him to turn down those shots, but he wasn't able to take advantage of them. And I think that's one thing to really watch for is he able to take advantage of those situations in some way, attacking the closeout, whatever it may be. Kings post up Cade with Harrison Barnes out of a timeout. They draw foul number two on Cade with 627 in the first. And that's just the story of this game for Cade Cunningham as we move through it. Rodney Magruder got the call, immediately scores. He had 15 points tonight in 32 minutes. Also had four rebounds, two assists, made some big plays, and he had a nice little stretch here. Hit a three, offensive rebound. They got to Kojo for a three, just an immediate impact. He actually got another offensive rebound and a bucket there in the first quarter. Pistons are up 33-26 going into the second. Kelly Olynyk started there late in the first quarter. He got his first rotation, continues to make his presence felt, got a block and a putback dunk in transition in sequence there. And then the Kings go on 11-2 run cap by an almost forced turnover by the Pistons that turned into a lob dunk for the Kings. And this is something I want to talk about as well as we move through this episode of these like missed opportunities, like situations like that, where it's like it could be something positive for the Pistons, but it ends up something positive for the other team. Bay does hit a three to stop the bleeding after the Kings go up four. 
They kind of exchanged shots back and forth, and Bay stayed hot throughout the second quarter, guys, and really throughout the rest of the game. It was really nice to see Sadiq Bay's game tonight. Cade gets his third foul with five minutes to go in the second, and again has to go set down. He ends up only playing 20 minutes tonight, just sparingly, like a few minutes here and there. First half, some some crazy stats for you guys. 29 free throw attempts for the Kings. 43 combined free throw attempts from both teams in the first half. It was unbelievable. I, I know you get I, I don't usually talk about the refs. You guys know this, but this was awful tonight. They do eventually swallow their their whistle in the second half, but it was brutal to watch for just a little bit. The Pistons were shooting 49% from the field, 37% from three, 79% from the free throw line. Bay was 17 points. KO, Kelly Olenek was six and four. Kate had only played 10 minutes. Down five, 66-71 going into the third. Very interested to see how Cade looked after the foul trouble. Immediately gets two free throws and then immediately gets his fourth foul. The foul fest continued there in the third. And I really felt like at any point, the Kings were just going to blow this game open to a 20-point lead or the Pistons were going to make their run. And this was about halfway through the third. The the Kings had a 10-point lead at this point. Four straight missed free throws by the Kings. I think this was an important point in the game. The ball bounced the Pistons' way a couple times, and KO and Magruder get a couple buckets, and a 16-5 run cuts the lead to one for the Pistons. So where it looked like the Kings may would go and, and balloon that lead, it turned out the other way. They missed some free throws. Pistons make some shots, and they do make a run that take a two-point lead and actually led by as much as five, but just two going into the fourth. Cade starts the fourth. And you can see the Kings immediately attacking him defensively. And Terrence Davis was getting buckets for the Kings. He actually ended the night with 35 points and seven three-pointers. He was making tough shots. Then Davian Mitchell was making tough shots. De'Aaron Fox was making tough shots. And it just seemed like the Pistons were not going to be able to pull this one away. Like they had their chances throughout the game. And then they didn't take advantage. And it looked like the Kings were going to come away with a victory. Cade gets his fifth foul with seven minutes to go. Fouls out with two minutes and 30 seconds to go. Kelly Olynyk comes back in. Actually, I thought he was done, to be honest with you guys. But a nice move by Dwayne Casey to sub him out, get him a breather, brings him back in. Pistons down 120 to 130, and then the magic happened. 13-1 run to close out the game. Kojo with the game winner. Stewart with some nice buckets. I'm going to break it all down in our plays of the game. And we get a Pistons victory 133-131 over the Kings on Wednesday night. Some of my biggest takeaways. Wanted to stay true to what I thought the Pistons were going to lose this game. And so I had it in my notes. These are the games you really hate to see this team lose. Yes, whenever they get blown out by teams like the Bulls or the Hornets or something like that, I know those are frustrating to watch. I get it. I understand. I don't like those either. But like, it was going to be very frustrating to come on and talk about the Pistons losing this game to a Kings team who I didn't think looked very good. Me and Wes talked about it right from the very beginning. It just didn't look like they, they were a very good team, at least tonight. I don't watch them on a nightly basis. Maybe this is how they look every night. And it it just looked like a game that the Pistons could definitely win. And when it looked like they weren't going to, it it was, I was kind of frustrated. I was going to be a little bit upset about it. And that's what makes it so exciting that they found a way to get it and get the win and get it taken care of. And it just was, it was very uplifting for them to find a way to pull out that win. You know, as a fan, I mean, it really doesn't matter, but it is exciting for us, but you know it has to be the same thing for that locker room, for the players, for the coaches, for the organization. There's going to be plenty of losses, guys, and so we always have to celebrate these wins, and I thought this was a big one for the Pistons, one I really wanted to see them get. Kelly Olenek, 
He had a huge night. We'll break it down a little bit more. He is going to take a little bit of time to get back into shape. So he was just 2 of 7 from 3 tonight, 8 of 17 from the field, which isn't bad. But you can see his legs were a little bit, you know, he's, he's not completely back in game shape yet. But, man, he's going to make this team better. You saw it tonight, how much he made this team better. I'm going to start working on a breakdown that's going to highlight all that stuff, hopefully by the weekend or beginning of next week. And, and what I'm interested in is, is he going to make the second unit better? Is that where they're going to put him? Are they going to put him with the starters? How much is he going to play with Cade Cunningham? I think it was Keith Black Trudeau, like very few minutes tonight. Um, he tweeted at me how many minutes those two have played together on the season, and they didn't get very many tonight either. So I do think, to the chagrin of a lot of Pistons fans, I think Kelly Olynyk is going to stay in the second unit. And honestly, guys, I think it's the right decision. I think him playing with the second unit is good, keeps floor spacing, it keeps flow. But what I think you're going to see is a lot of really important minutes, valuable minutes, where he's playing with the starting group with Cade Cunningham, with Sadiq Bey, and those guys. And I think that's what will be really interesting to watch. And you can just see his impact immediately show up in tonight's game. Now, one thing I don't want to be overlooked is the Pistons' defensive struggles. And this is what I'm immediately working on for my next breakdown for Detroit Bad Boys. And I know defensive breakdowns aren't the sexiest thing, but guys, this team has had a stretch of games where they haven't been very good defensively. And just because they scored 133 points tonight, I think it goes overlooked a little bit. They were bad bad on the defensive end. And I know the Kings have some guys that can play. De'Aaron Fox is a good player. Harrison Barnes is a good player. Marvin Bagley looked very good tonight. I get it. But to me, it's like off-ball rotations and awareness just aren't there. Transition defense looked really bad. There was like a stretch in the second quarter where Sadiq Bey was getting busy and then the Kings would just get it out. And before the camera even shifted back to the game, like they were already down there drawing a foul, whatever. There's no rim protection. The rebounding, like it has to be team rebounding. I know you guys don't want to hear me continue to talk about this because I've talked about it so many times. And I will highlight something that Kojo did late in this game that was huge, that if they did it on every possession, I don't think the rebounding would be as big a deal. Wes asked me, like, is it going to get better? And like, I just don't, I, I don't know. I don't see where it's going to get better with the current roster. Like there's just a lot of guys who I feel like they're just off the ball. The rotations aren't crisp. The awareness isn't great. I thought I was wrong. You guys know this. I will admit whenever I'm wrong. And I was wrong because I thought it was the offensive struggle that was leading to the lack of energy and focus on the defensive end. Well, that wasn't the case tonight because they were scoring the basketball. Now, I know that the fouls were crazy, and, and when you're in foul trouble, that hurts how aggressive you can be defensively and, and makes you a little bit passive. But, man, the, the, the offense has gotten better lately. I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying it's fixed. Don't get me wrong, but it's better than what it was to start the year. They have games where they make shots, and the defense hasn't now – been better based off of that. So I was wrong that the offensive struggles were a huge part of the energy and focus on the defensive end. So I don't know what the answer is. I'm really interested to watch it through another half of the season to see if there does start to be some improvement. Three players of the game tonight, the before-mentioned Kelly Olenek, 22 points, nine rebounds, five assists, eight of 17 from the field, only two of seven from three. You could see a lot of his shots missed short. You could just kind of tell the legs weren't there. He did hit the big one that I'll highlight here in just a second. How about Corey Joseph, guys? 19 points, four rebounds, nine assists, six of 12 from the field, two of four from the three-point line. Again, another guy I understand 
fans aren't always super high on. You know, I've even called for it, right, for, for Saban Lee minutes. But at the end of the day, Corey Joseph's been playing well. I, we had Jared Greenberg on, as I said at the beginning of the episode, and he was talking about, I believe Corey Joseph is the Pistons' three-point leader right now in terms of percentage when you look at the numbers. So Kojo's shooting 43%, and just a, a real quick look, it looks like the next highest is – 34% from Kelly Olenek, 33 from Frank Jackson. You know, those are all guys that, you know, haven't been playing. You know, Frank and, and Jeremy, we haven't seen for how long. Kelly, we just saw back tonight. So that three-point shooting, you know, talk about a team that struggles to space the floor and make shots. Like, Corey Joseph is providing that right now. And he had another really nice night tonight. Even though he's a, a liability defensively, he does some things offensively every once in a while that might drive you crazy. But he is making shots, and he had a really good game and makes a huge shot late in this game. Sadiq Bey, you know, this guy's really turned it around. We know this, 30 points, seven rebounds, three assists, 10 of 18 from the field, five of nine from three. All those worries about the three-point shooting, I think, can go away at this point. He's The, the shot is there. What we saw last year is true. He's going to continue to do it. You know, if you want to look big picture, it's, you know, what is little things is he able to add to his game? I thought he really stayed in his role tonight. There was a couple shots, but it's it's when he had it going. You know, when he when guys get it going, you're going to understand them taking some of those shots. But I thought he really stayed in his role that we've talked about before on the podcast. He looked really good, and because of it, he was really efficient. And again, all three of these guys make huge shots down the stretch that I'll highlight in just a second as we transition to plays of the game. And I want to go negative just Real quick, bear with me here. I know it's all exciting and and we want to be juiced about this win. But one thing that I want us to watch for is how many possessions the Pistons have like this one. So the Kings make one free throw. They go to the free throw line, make the first, miss the second, get an offensive rebound, hit a three. Four-point possession. They, they, you know, they emphasized it on on the broadcast these types of plays are killing the pistons the almost steals that actually end up in dunks the 50 50 balls that the other team comes up with the offensive rebounds that the other team comes up like they only gave up off eight offensive rebounds but i watched the game and i feel like every single one of them is huge and turns into second chance points against the pistons there was one in the second half where jj and kojo just like run into each other like whether it's miscommunication whether they're supposed to switch or whatever and then harrison barnes gets wide open and nails a three like those are just plays that continue to happen for this team that I would like to see fixed. I would like to see not happen so much. And a lot of those things, sometimes it's fluky, but those offensive rebounds, those 50-50 balls, like coming up with the steal, securing the ball, the loose ball, those are things you can control. Those are things you can emphasize and focus on. And I think if they did, we'd see this team extend leads during the middle of a game or stop runs that the other team is going on in the middle of the game. And then maybe you wouldn't have to have the late game heroics like we ended up seeing tonight. I know those are fun. I know that it has me juiced tonight but I think this is a game they could have won by 10 or 15 if they do some of those other things I do want to highlight a Sadiq Bay move about the middle of the second quarter he's in that mid post he spins off the Aaron Fox attacks the lane the big comes over and reverse we won't spend a whole lot of time on it but I did think that was a really nice play there by Sadiq Bay. I do like Sadiq Bay in the mid post you guys know that but let's get to the big one okay on that run at the end of the game so the big one this really started off was the Sadiq Bay three as the shot clock expired. That was a tough shot. 
Like there was nothing going offensively. I think that was the one where maybe Kojo and Davion Mitchell were like having a little thing there at the top and Kojo just kept dribbling around. But eventually it gets to Sadiq Bey's hands, knocks down a really tough shot as the shot clock was going off. Next possession, Kelly Olenek three, knocks that down. And then the next one, if you happen to go back and rewatch this or if you check us out on YouTube, sometimes we'll clip these in there. Kojo with a huge box out on a missed shot by the Kings. So they got in a rotation. Kojo helped the helper, if you're familiar with the term. And it wasn't to like take away the pass. It was to get a box out, I believe, on Holmes. And if he doesn't, then Holmes gets a putback dunk. And I think all the momentum swings back to the Kings and the Pistons don't win this game. Instead, it was a foul. The ensuing possession, Bay gets to the rim with a nice drive, gets fouled and won. They called a goaltend on that. Pistons get yet another stop and then Kojo hits a nice little mid-range that ended up being the game-winning shot. So just a great sequence offensively from the Pistons. Bay 3, KO 3, Kojo with the box out, Bay N1, and then Kojo with the mid-range and those three just kind of dominated the end of the game there to let the Pistons go on that run that eventually won the game for him. 13-0 run to close out the game. A few things, just three things here to keep an eye on before we look at the Kings. What is Cade's best defensive matchup to be successful? This isn't an overreaction to tonight. I know that like he's not always going to get in foul trouble. I tweeted out, this was stupid on my part. I jinxed it that I thought he had figured out how to be smart like when he got one early one and that just didn't hold true. But I just wonder, like Fox was way too much for him to handle. You don't want him guarding like bigger guys. Like we've seen him hold up against some like almost four men, but you don't want him guarding those guys all night because that's going to wear him down and break him down. So like, what are his matchups? Like who is he going to be able to match up with and be successful? What I'd like to see is him be able to play against the worst perimeter player so he can kind of roam and just use his basketball IQ to run through passing lanes, be over, come over and be a helper, maybe provide a little bit of weak side rim protection. So I, I just think it's interesting or will be interesting, something to keep an eye on. Who does he match up with? And again, guys, whether it's Killian Hayes, if you're a Killian Hayes fan or not, it, it doesn't matter. But what I think tonight did start to show is you want a Killian Hayes type player in the backcourt with Cade Cunningham to guard the De'Aaron Foxes of the world so that he doesn't have to because Kojo wasn't going to be able to. As good as he was offensively, we know he can't guard De'Aaron Fox either. So that's why a guy like Killian Hayes is important to have in those situations. Speaking of Killian Hayes, not sure I'm at this point yet, but some are wondering what this injury might mean. And so I brought this up. Wes, you know, text me today. He's like, you know, it just seems fishy. Like what's going on here? So don't want to speculate too much. You know, there has been hip issues. You know, there's been some bumps and bruises and different things. We are getting awfully close to the trade deadline. I've wondered if maybe one of these guys doesn't end up getting attached to Jeremy Grant to maybe bring back a better piece. I don't even know what Killian Hayes' trade value is. Jared, bring, Jared Greenberg on that previous episode that dropped, you know, didn't necessarily talk a lot about him, not near as much as like what Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart when talking about the sophomores. But again, like I just, it, it's something to keep an eye on. 
Okay. It's something to keep an eye on. And if it's not that, the injury in itself is something to keep an eye on, especially if it's that kind of same area that he dealt with last year. Also on the trade front, you know, Rodney Magruder, Corey Joseph, Trey Lyles, kind of be interesting to see what kind of markets show up for those guys. You know, the Nuggets did need a guard help, and that's why the Magruder trade made sense. You know, they ended up going and getting Bryn Forbes. But is there actually some sort of market for Rodney Magruder? Like, I realized Bull Bull wasn't just like this prized, you know, return. But if you were able to trade Magruder in a second for Bull Bull, is there some other trade out there? Like some other guy in Bull Bull's, you know, in that realm that they're able to flip Magruder in a second round pick for, especially after how he's played the last couple of games. And then the final one, Isaiah Stewart's post-up game. It was something I kind of liked last year. I think he can do decently. Is this where he can make his money offensively? Like, that's what I wonder. But even if he can, is it is that something that fits this team? Is that something this team is going to be comfortable going to, throwing it to him in the post and playing through him? And maybe it doesn't have to be a lot. Maybe it doesn't have to be an overwhelming thing. But maybe once every six, seven possessions, they have a set or two. They run for him. Keep him involved. Let him touch the ball. Let him contribute offensively just a little bit. And maybe that's a way he can get himself going. A few thoughts on the other team. Lots of guys for this Kings team in trade talks. Buddy Hield um, didn't really have a good game tonight. Marvin Bagley did. You know, he looked good. He's a guy that people have talked about with the Pistons. I thought he looked good tonight. And even De'Aaron Fox has been, his name's been thrown around a little bit. But I, I believe there was a report that came out that the Kings have told him they don't want to trade him. He's absolutely a difficult cover with his speed. I thought early on defensively, he gave Cade a little bit of trouble, like Cade trying to figure out just how cat quick De'Aaron Fox was. He's second in the league in guard paint points. The mid-range looks really good. He is struggling from three, which is kind of interesting. I think he's shooting a career low, if I'm not mistaken, from three this year. Um, But the getting to the paint, the mid-range, all that looked really good from De'Aaron Fox. Harrison Barnes having a very solid year. He's just like one of those guys that just is always solid. So I thought he looked good tonight. Davion Mitchell's a nice little second unit guard, especially if he makes shots. His percentages aren't great on the year, but tonight he shot at decent 13 points, five and nine from, yeah, three or four from three. So a really nice night from Davion Mitchell, a guy I wasn't super high on coming into the draft, um, but has, has looked good. You knew he could defend. And so if he's able to shoot the ball, obviously not a deficiency he did on Thursday, on Wednesday night, you know, decently, that's a, that's a really nice second unit guard for the Kings. And then they just have tall, bouncy bigs that are bad matchups for the Pistons. Holmes, Maytu, Bagley, those guys really gave the Pistons some struggle at time just because that's the type of guys the Pistons big struggle against. A quick look ahead to Friday night to play the Jazz. They beat the Jazz 126-116 on the 10th. 58 combined points in that game from Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bey. Huge third quarter from the Pistons. There was no Rudy Gobert in that game. He is now back. The Jazz are 29 and 16, I believe, sitting fourth in the West. That might change by the time you listen to this if you wait till Thursday morning because they did lose on Wednesday night 111 to 116 to the Rockets. Rockets shot almost 50% from three. The Jazz only shot 26% from three. They've lost six of their last seven, including that loss to the Pistons. So this Jazz team, a team that's just really struggling right now, they are now, after this Pistons game, go on a four-game stretch against the Warriors, the Suns twice, and the Grizzlies, you know, three of the best teams in the NBA and definitely out West. So are they motivated to get this one after losing to the Rockets? Are they motivated to get a win knowing they have those four tough ones coming up? Or are they just going to overlook the Pistons? It'll be really interesting. Donovan Mitchell is actually out. 
Um, at least he was Wednesday night due to concussion protocol and not part of the game necessarily, but Utah has been a name mentioned in the Jeremy Grant sweepstakes due to their need of a wing defender. Again, I've talked about it before. I don't know what they send in return, but they have been a name that continues to show up in that. As always, I want to thank my guy, Wes Davenport, the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast, who takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better for you and easier for me. I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to us the amount of support we are getting right now. Please follow us on Twitter at Motor City Hoops and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Motor City Hoops, Bryce Simon. And if you go check that out, I did put up my uh, interview with Big D Energy on Woodward Sports with Neil Rule and Darren McCarty. And that was a nice little 10, 12 minutes talking about the Pistons. And that'll be up on the YouTube channel. And I'll tweet that out tomorrow morning. Motor City Hoops will be back on Tuesday with former Olympic silver and bronze medalist in the 1500 meters, Nick Willis, a U of M alum and Pistons fan. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons. And we'll talk to you soon.